Welcome to Mysteries to Die For. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of murder, mystery, and mayhem. Some episodes will be my own. Others will be classics that help shape the mystery genre we know today. These are arrangements, which means instead of word-for-word readings, you get a performance meant to be heard. Jack and I perform these live, front to back, no breaks, no fakes, no retakes. This is season one. This season comes from my book, Widow's Run, which was published in 2019 by Down and Out Books. If you love clever, sharp-edged mysteries and thrillers, check out Down and Out on the web. This episode builds from previous. You have to listen in order for the story to make sense. Start with the episode called, What a Lovely Corpse You Have, and catch up to us from there. We'll be here for you. We've listed a cast of characters in the show notes to help keep track of the players. To recap, our hero, Diamond, has faked her death, burying the suburban professional she was to resurrect her CIA cover. Why? She needs to do but the police won't, investigate her husband's death. Diamond has run out of suspects. Someone paid Hugo Franzetti to poison Gabrielle's drink, then kill him. Someone tried to kidnap Gabrielle's successor, Dr. Julie Liu. It wasn't Buford Winston. Sam Irish complicated matters by putting out a recovery order for Diamond, a dead woman. In our last episode, she drops in on Irish, collecting the bounty for herself, but this is no class reunion. A drink at the bar has Diamond and Irish diving for cover. The high-speed chase ends with the Saturn Ion crossways with the railroad tracks and Diamond and Irish asking the questions. This story is about keeping your eye on the ball. This is episode 13, Bad Cop, Batter Cop. Out of the car, hands where I can see them. I channeled authoritative badass as I gave orders. Out, you fuckheads! Give me a reason to end this now! Irish circled the car, shouting in an American accent better than mine. The fuckheads were inside, white, male, and young. Both shook their heads like Hulk had gone to work on the few brains they had. You shoot him, Dagger. You gotta do the paperwork. My weapon was trained on the driver's head as I searched for their piece. It wasn't in the driver's hands. Those were wrapped anaconda style around the steering wheel. Keep those hands right there, I said, stepping wide and examining the face. Stringy blonde hair was tied at the back of his head. Blue eyes, slightly dazed, sat on a long face. This was no one I knew. I don't think so. I cook, you clean. That's the deal. Irish peered over the roof, shaking his head as to say he didn't have an ID either. He pulled the passenger out the missing wheel window, banging his head on the doorframe. That's what you get when you don't wear your seatbelt. I swung my door open and introduced Ponytail to my friend Pavement. I squatted down beside as I squirmed. A shame those airbags didn't deploy with a pretty face like yours. Irish's fuckhead swore in ascending tones as he was relocated to the back of the car. Mine couldn't tell up from down. 
literally. After much prodding, he finally made it to his feet, where the genius decided to make a break for it, and rammed his head right into the tire. Knocked himself out cold. I blinked rapidly because I couldn't laugh. Thanks, Karma. I owe you one. Irish paced in front of the fuckhead, 10 years older and 50 pounds heavier than the kid in front of him. Fuckhead was smart enough to keep his gaze on the ground. This was my mistake. Sorry, man. Real sorry. I leaned against the car, ready to follow Irish's lead. I'm not feeling it. You dagger? Oh, I'm feeling it, Cookie. I'm feeling it. He grabbed the fuckhead by the throat and shoved the barrel in his mouth. I'm feeling it. You feel it? Fuckhead's screams competed with Irish's shouts for airtime. Shut up now. I'm asking you one time, who is your mark and who is paying you? Fuckhead gagged on the barrel. Pull back, dagger. I walked into Fuckhead's field of vision. You're going to tell us what we want to know, aren't you? His hands were up now, his eyes closed, his head nodding. A pool of piss spread beneath him. Irish withdrew the barrel slowly. T Target was a blonde bitch. I, I got a cell number and an address for that bar. His gaze flickered to me. You aren't blonde. Wasn't worth a response. Who's paying you, I asked. I don't know. Irish stepped forward. They all say that the first time. I swear I don't. Fuckhead practically rolled under the car. I, I needed the cash, so I called the connection. Two days ago, I got a message from someone with some fucked up name paying 10 G's for a drive-by. Today, I, I got a message to be ready, and, and then the deets came. A deadly quiet fell. Irish paced away and then turned. How stupid do you think I am? He stalked back to the fuckhead. It's the truth, I swear. I swear on my sister's life. His voice was getting hoarse, his face colorless except for the blooming welt left by the dashboard. Desperate blue eyes clung to me. Tell him! Tell him it's the truth! What's the name? Chrissy something. It was long, I don't know, but it was long. It's in my phone. He went for his back pocket. Irish dragged him from under the vehicle, putting him on his face. Arm twisted back to the point of breaking. Fuckhead's voice broke, edging on hysterical. It's in there! Check for yourself! He didn't have a password on the phone, but he did have five texting apps. The seconds it took to find the right one probably felt like hours with your face doing an impression of a waffle on a gritty pavement. Chrysanthemum, I said. Like the flower? Irish removed his weight from my fuckhead's back. One of the women dead? I... why? Three hours before sunrise, we were back at Irish's house. For those of you concerned about the fuckhead twins, well, we left them where they were. If they didn't manage their way out in another few hours, the early shift workers would find them. Irish was as surprised as you are when I dragged him out of there ASAP. I needed to talk to Ian and Dixon and considered going back to my place, except for two complications. One, Irish would follow me. Two, I didn't want him to kill Dix. After the swatting, there was no holds barred. More coffee? He stood behind the gourmet kitchen counter, coffee pot in hand, every straight woman's wet dream. Yeah, you changed your recipe, right? Uh-huh, about two years ago after a little trip to Ethiopia. It's good, Sam, really good. I waited till his gaze came up and I asked the question I needed the answer to. 
Why did you put a hundred grand out to find a dead woman? His face was a mask, giving nothing away as he stared back. Then he turned away, going to the refrigerator and pulling out a carton of eggs and milk. He wasn't going to answer. Sam. I knew a girl once. Avron. She was as sunny and sweet as the month of April. He cracked eggs into a bowl, his eyes on his work. You loved her, I said. I did. When she passed, I felt it. He looked over his shoulder, his gaze forbidding. Say what you want about the Irish and our ghosts, but I felt it. I know what death feels like. The eggs went into the pan, the sizzle the only sound in the room. When I opened the lid and I started that tart flesh in the coffin, I felt nothing. I waited for it. I told my shock, myself it was the shock of seeing you laid out, as it were, but it never came. I left the church pissed because you left me. You left my life so thoroughly that I couldn't feel you. And then I saw Ian Black with that smile he wears. Why would Diamond's pet be smiling at her funeral, I asked myself. Well, there is only one answer. Jesus, Sam, why didn't you leave me alone? You had to know I had a reason. He shrugged as he divided the eggs between two plates. I only cared about one thing, finding you. For a man who claims to be logical, that's fucked up. My phone rang and I returned to my page. It's Ian Black. Do not call him my pet, I said to Irish before answering it. Ian, I, I have you on speaker. Irish is here. Morning, Ian. Long time no see, Irish said. Ian grumbled. Did you get the money, Diamond? Irish crossed the table, plates in hand. Aye, your Diamond is a richer dead woman. He refilled my coffee from the pot on the table, no regret discernible on his face. Tell me some good news, Ian. Well, Carla found the driver. It's none other than Valentina's older brother, Franco. Carla found him in a seminary and pressed him. Franco said he'd raced down the street when Hugo shouldered a man into the path of the car. Franco fled to Hugo's flat, hiding the car. He fought with Valentina, walking out when she demanded to know what he had done. Franco decided to turn himself in. He waited for Hugo to tell him what he was going to do. We both know why Hugo never showed. Damn it. Another shot from my blind side. Valentina's brother? Franco asked Carlo to pass on a message to you, the widow. Franco said he's made his peace with God, but he doesn't expect you'll be as forgiving. Ian sounded like he was reading from a statement, his voice flatter than normal. He regrets the evening more than he can say. He was arrogant and brash, and he took your husband's life. Nothing can undo his actions. But in that horrible moment, his life changed. He found his humanity. After, I said. What? Ian asked. After that horrible moment, not in. If he'd found it in, he would have turned away. My head dropped back and landed on Irish's stomach. His hand squeezed my shoulder. What's the point of the message, Ian? Papers rustled across the line. He's sorry? Hell, doesn't do us much good. I assume he doesn't know who hired Hugo. No, Ian said. All he heard were Euro signs. He said Hugo was paid 4000 up front and they split it. Fucking sucker, Hugo lied. His little black book showed 14000 for the deed. Four before, ten after. 
Okay. It burned my biscuits that Gabrielle was killed for so little. Now, I know how wrong it sounds, as if if somebody had put a 100,000 euro hit on him, it would have somehow been, I don't know, less bad. But really, 14,000? Cars cost more. The math ad adds up now, I told Dan. The 2,000 in the trunk was Hugo's share of the advance. The balance was paid in lead. Client used an alias and had texted Hugo to set it up. <laughs> Let me guess. Chrysanthemum? Ian gasped. Yeah, you already knew? The deposit showed up in cash in an overnight envelope from a flower shop in D.C. Well, I filled him in on our evening. I have a phone number that Chrysanthemum called and texted and the passwords for the recipient's account. Do you think Dixon can weasel out the contact? He started on it, Ian snickered, but I sidetracked him a little. <laughs> I got him a hooker, sort of a belated birthday present. Iris shouldered me aside. This kid, Dixon, is he the one who swatted me? I cursed my blunder. Well, Ian choked on his laugh, answering Irish's question without saying a word. Let it go, Sam. Your contract put a big price on my head. Ian was beaten and left for a popsicle. If the roles were reversed, you'd have done a lot worse than swatting. Dixon's mine, and that makes him yours. Let it go. I invaded his personal space, inviting him in. I already got Dixon on the emails, Ian said. We'll get there. We need to know what you want to do with Valentina's brother. Carlo is waiting on your directions. Diamond, Carlo believes the guy's on the up and up, but... You know, he's Italian and raised to think priests walk on fucking water. Here I was in the gray area. Okay, so my mission was justice for Gabrielle. I didn't care what form or by who. I had the man who killed my husband, who hit his body with a car so hard, he crushed his chest. He literally broke his heart. I had the man. He was becoming a priest. Could I forgive him? No. Not if I live to be a hundred. Could I tell Carlo to take him down? I'm thinking. Well, if. Maybe. As much as I wanted to, it wouldn't be what my husband wanted. So, here I was. I was damned if I did, and I was damned if I didn't. Karma hated me. Tell Franco to feed the starving. Gabriel would want people cared for first. Franco has to pick up the baton he knocked out of Gabriel's hand, I said. I'm not talking about organizing canned food drives. I'm talking about getting that church of his to teach people how to fish and to use drip irrigation, how to build wells and plant quinoa. I dropped the 50-pound weight posing as my head into my hands. Just because it was right didn't mean it felt good. Irish's arm snaked across my collarbone. Good call, Ian said, especially with the damn quinoa. Next, the kid made progress on Winston's emails. It's a sweet hack, mimicking a host email while still allowing the host access to a portion of the account. The address has a blind tag built in, so a reply to, this is, to the sender is routed to the placebo account. It's been blamed for security breaches in every industrialized nation. Hold on a minute, Diamond. Ian's voice became muted as he spoke away from the phone. He and Dix were having another geek-to-geek -geek conversation. Dix's tone was triumph. Ian shifted from skeptical to hot damn. He's got him, Diamond. Dix has a picture of the hacker. Not great images, but good enough. 
He's texting them to you now. My phone chimed, confirming the download. With a swipe of my thumb, the grainy image of my husband's killer filled the screen. A photo, telephoto lens had been used to capture a hooded figure at a computer. Five images taken in rapid succession as the target turned. Fuck! I exploded, knocking Irish away from me and spilling my chair to its side. The back of the chair was in my hands. The legs cut through the air as I whipped it from my shoulder, smashing them across the table and then the floor, over and over until splinters flew like missiles in all directions. Spinning like a shot putter, whatever I could wrap my hands around was launched across the open space. Fucking psycho bitch from hell! The vicious words stripped my throat raw, so I shouted louder. An arm came around me. I caught it and threw it too. Ian's tinny voice rode atop the racket. Irish, what the fuck are you doing? Irish rolled me with the toss, landing on the balls of his feet, hands at the ready. Me? She's the one on the rampage. Obliteration. Annihilation. The gates of hell burst open and I was the demon birthed. Brooks flew. Glass crashed, furniture rolled, anything not nailed down got thrown, anything nailed down got the crap beat out of it. Nothing escaped my fury. The room spun, flying by, until a coarse carpet was scraping the skin from my face. Stay down, Diamond. For fuck's sake, just stay down. Irish's knee was in my back, his heavy ass keeping me where I was. Never! I used my head, my feet, elbows and teeth. The man was a human octopus countering every move until I could do nothing more than scream my outrage. Irish shouted over me, who the hell's in the picture, Ian? I'm going to rip them apart myself. Chrysanthemum, that's all I have, Irish. Julie Lou, it's Julie fucking Lou, Gabrielle's assistant. I fought until my arms ached. Breathing like a thoroughbred after a sprint, I stopped fighting. Rational thought pushed front at center, leashing the last of the unbridled energy. Br breaking Irish, turning his house into kindling, that would only piss me off more. I needed to think. I needed a plan, just like Irish preached. And then, only then would I act. You can get off me, Irish. I'm not going to hurt you. He snorted as his weight lifted off. He offered me a hand and he pulled me to my feet. The upscale living dining space had been remodeled by a Tasmanian devil. Tornadoes did less damage. Crap. When I stood face to face with Irish, I said, I'll, I'll replace it all. Sorry I didn't get it to you faster, Diamond. Dixon's young voice was heavy with disapproval. It's not on you, Dix. It's on me. I didn't go there. Not after the near miss on her. Why would she plan such an elaborate ruse to throw suspicion? I wasn't on to her. <clears throat> Irish cleared his throat. They weren't after her. The wheels turned. Then they were after... I led with my left. He pulled back. My knuckles burned from the brush with his morning beard. He grabbed my wrist, turning me until he had my back pinned to his chest. You ass! Fuck your furniture. I'm not replacing a stick of it. How am I supposed to solve this when you're throwing red herrings in my lap? He leaned back, lifting me so my feet kicked uselessly in the air. If I knew what you were up to, I could have spent my money helping you. My elbow connected with his ribs and he spun away from my body. Going in low, I swept his feet out from under him. But you dare make this sound like it's my fault. I killed myself for a reason. 
He leapt over me. You should have contacted me. I thrust my hand up, disrupting his graceful landing. I had a job to do. I didn't even know you were in the country. He rolled and came to his feet again, facing me. Coming at me, he moved through a sequence of blows readily defended. He wasn't trying to hurt me, and I'd stopped trying to hurt him. He tied me up, arms over my head, face to face. It didn't matter where I was, he snapped into the scant inch between us. For something this important to you, you should have called me. You called Black. He spat out Ian's name as he shoved me away. The choreographed hand-to-hand -hand was no less physical for the lack of intent to kill. The temper ran in both of us. He was sweaty, disheveled, irritated. Beneath it was something else. Disappointment? I hadn't called him for help. Before he would have been my first call, even before my official network. But my life changed. And except in Gabrielle's world, I walked away from the one Irish lived in, closing the door and throwing away the key. I never intended to come back to this underbelly where there were no good guys. Yet here I was, and I needed help. I'm calling you now, Irish. I'm taking her down. Help me. A cocky smile grew on the devil's face. You don't have to ask. Jackass! Still, he made me smile. I want to know Lou's secrets and her mistakes. Dixon, Irish, find her connection to these Chinese hacker stories. I've got a hundred thousand of Irish's money to spend on the information. And I want to know if any other deadly accidents have happened to Americans or on American soil. Give me a better picture of Lou and let's send it to Carlo. Ian, have impressed Valentina, her piece priest-to-be brother and Hugo's grandmother. Tell him to hit the doorman and the staff at Ilion. Somebody saw her. She's not half as good as she thinks she is. For myself, I took the task of calling my new friend, Buford Winston. After the requisite small talk, on his part, not mine, I laid out our suspicions. Gotta tell you, that fire's on all cylinders for me. Guess I didn't think whether or not it sounded like Gabe too busy being pissed to pay attention to the details. I went straight to thinking he might have been hitting the vodka. Buford's outrage grew as the pieces fell into place until he blasted from the pulpit. There is a special hell for connivers, backstabbers, and two-timers. I believe he was ready to send Julie there with his bare hands. So as soon as I hung up with Buford, I called Lois and gave her the heads up. She hid his car keys. Assignments made, the team scattered. Irish to his office, Ian and Dixon to their holes in the wall, which left me alone in the ravaged room. I righted an armchair and sat. Realization set, Gidden. We solved it. We knew what happened to Gavriel and to Francisco Thelen. In a matter of hours, we'd be able to prove it. And I had the murderer sitting on a pink bed in protective custody. Hindsight is amazing. What was an unsolvable mystery from the outside became remarkably simple from the inside out. This one came down to the unquenchable thirst to be at the top. Julie Lou arranged for Gabrielle's death to assume his position. She wasn't a woman to come in second, nor to wait for her time to come. Why bother when, for a few thousand euros, she could be at the top now? top ad producers could clamor for her attention today. I gotta tell you, I, I thought this moment would be so much more you know, 
just more epic. I expected to be jumping and fist pumping and whooping it up because good guys won. After all, we solved a crime the authorities said didn't happen. But the satisfaction wasn't there. Things still felt, what, undone? Incomplete? Justice hadn't been served. A text notification came through. I had a voicemail. Seconds later, Montgomery Rand was in my ears. Don't get mad, but your woman is gone. She just left. I tried to talk her out of it. She said the danger was all clear. I asked if you called and she blew me off. I tried to stop her, but she put a karate move on me. I think she cracked my back. Like, that's got to be worth the late. Julie Lou left the safe house. Well, somebody was feeling cocky. Of its own accord, the seed of a plan planted itself in my brain. It wasn't nice, but it was good, in a very bad kind of way. All I needed was a realtor, an electrician, and a king. That's the wrong baseline. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's it for this episode of Mysteries to Die For. In two weeks, we'll pick up the story with the last chapter. I'll take the coup de gras with a side of fries. If you enjoyed our twist on storytelling, help spread the word by telling a friend or leaving a review. For less than the cost to replace Irish's broken coffee pot, you can join our body bag brigade to help support the show. You'll receive bonus content as our thanks. Mysteries to Die For was written by T.G. Wolf. Music and production are by Jack Wolf. Episode art is by Shannon Leahy. Widow's Run was written by T.G. Wolf, published by Down and Out Books. Until next time, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Nice job, Jack. <laughs>